0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perusia Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Brooks. Today we're joined by a very special guest. His name is Father Thomas Sophatsis. He's a priest of the Fraternity of St. Peter, which is a a fraternity of priests, a society of apostolic life, which celebrate exclusively the sacraments in the extraordinary form of the Roman rite. Um, I just finished recording this interview and And it's good, it's a a deep episode. I think you're gonna get a lot out of it. So stay tuned and enjoy Father Thomas Safatsis of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter. So thank you, Father, for joining us. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and a little bit about the fraternity as well, the the order which you've joined.
1: Sure, thanks, Philip. So um, I'm uh, Father Thomas Safatsis. And um, I was born and raised in Sydney with um, my four brothers and uh, two sisters. And um, I grew up just um, a a regular Catholic. I went to uh, St. Bernadette's Parish, Clinton Park, and um, there went to Sunday school. And um, I had a little paper uh, route that I used to um, deliver papers around there too. And and for my schooling, I went to... uh, all Saints Greek Orthodox Grammar School, because my, fa- my mother is, um, was English, she's passed away sadly, and my uh, father's Greek Orthodox. And so um, they had an agreement when they got married that the children would be raised Catholic, we would be raised Catholic, but um, that we would go to a Greek school to get an appreciation for our Greek heritage and culture. So um, I went to um, All Saints uh, uh, Grammar School growing up, had many f- fond memories of the school. Um, but on, um, from age three, actually, on uh, Friday evenings, I attended Holy Family Religion School in Lewisham. Now, Holy Family was founded by um, a wonderful nun, Sister Moore Woodbury, and um, she, um, she set up this religion school. In fact, I think at its prime it was running in five different locations around uh, Sydney. Uh, really doing a really good job in teaching the faith and imparting those eternal truths of the faith to the children who attended the school and i could tell you so many wonderful stories about sister moore and how she really instilled us she wasn't happy with me going to attending um chess uh growing up but so she really made the point clear that you know catechism and learning the faith was one of the most was the most important thing and so um So I attended the Greek Orthodox School, but still maintained this connection with my Catholic faith by um, going to the um, uh, religion school at Lewisham and, of course, attending Mass at St. Bernadette's Clempton Park. And um, growing up, I enjoyed um, playing tennis, chess, as I mentioned, and, um, yeah, I played some piano as well. But um, during high school, I guess I was wondering... um, what to do with my life, as I'm sure everyone does. And I always wanted to be a, a school teacher. In fact, growing up ever since I was little, I guess both my parents are school teachers. And so I thought that would, I, I wanted to do that. But of course, filled with worldly aspirations of trying to make money, but at the same time trying to help people, I thought that I would um, uh, try uh, studying, trying to get into medicine. And I like the idea of um being a doctor, but um I wasn't I wasn't too uh happy too uh the idea of you know seeing a lot of blood and that didn't appear to me. So I definitely didn't want to be a surgeon, but I thought I would try to get into medicine because you know doctors made more money than teachers. Anyway, um so I undertook a bachelor's degree in medical science after high school, but during that time I was very blessed to Attend some philosophy and theology classes run by um, Alice Nelson, the late Alice, Mrs. Alice Nelson, Andrew mm. Nemo, uh, Dr. Don Boland, and uh, John Ziegler. And during these classes, I really um, was just so overwhelmed by the beauty and splendor of of the truths of our faith, faith, and the both philosophical truths and theological truths that I um. All I wanted to, i realized at that point, about two years into my uh, uh, medical science degree—that really all I wanted to do in my life was to to teach religion and to teach the faith, and to um, that was the most important thing. And at that point, I didn't care if I only made, you know, not as much money as a doctor made. It wasn't all about that, you know. And so I really um, fell in love with um, philosophy and theology. I then took—I um, undertook some further graduate studies in uh, theology. Um, but at the same time, after high school, I was introduced to um, the Latin Mass Maternal Heart of Mary Church in Lewisham. And um, I guess growing, going to um, the Greek school, I was always, from growing up, had a, an experience of a great um, richness and a great sense of uh, solemnity in the liturgy. And uh, when I attended uh, Maternal Heart of Mary Lewisham, it all just appealed to me um, straight away whether it was the you know the the Gregorian chant the the sacredness of the Latin language the devotions shown to the blessed sacrament all, all that appealed to me and so um yeah I just um slowly slowly gave gave up being a reader at the Novus Ordo and um joined the scholar joined the choir at uh, Maternal Heart Lewisham and then um with time, both the theology and philosophy classes I was attending, and attending the Latin Mass, I was encouraged by a priest, with uh, you know, to pursue a um, whether you know I would like to pursue a religious vocation. And I guess I would thought about it on and off, but wasn't quite sure whether it was the right thing for me. Um, but upon reflection, some people, you know, they get a. I, I know some. I know someone, in fact, who, you know, had a real intense internal desire. He wanted to be a priest since he was seven. For me, it was somewhat more intellectual, dare I say. It was mm. realizing that, um, that I wanted to give my whole life to Christ. I wanted to further um, the kingdom of Christ on earth and thinking, well, you know, you can do many things, you know, whatever your vocation is in life, you can do many things for the church as a layman. Um, but I realize that if it, if it is your calling, you know, it may not be your calling, but if it is your calling, you can do so much. One can do so much more for the church as Christ's instrument, as one of his priests. And, of course, what is there that compares to... Um, you know, if you add up all the the great sacrifices and all the martyrdoms of the saints, it doesn't equal the value of one holy mass offered um, through the ministration of the priest. I think St Thomas Aquinas says that the mass is as valuable as the death of Christ on the cross. And so I wasn't sure whether God was calling me to a priestly vocation, but nevertheless, um, I, I wanted to see if that was his will, and so Um, With uh, Father Duncan Wong from the Fraternity's Encouragement, I entered the Ezekiel House Novitiate. That is our first year seminary in Sydney for the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter. And um, I said, Father, can I join for a few months and we'll reevaluate the situation after that? And um, no, but he was um, very gracious. And of course, um, I think he knew as soon as I joined that I wouldn't be leaving. And um, yeah, and so by the grace of God, I... um, Uh, I have persevered and I was ordained a priest last month. Um, For those who don't know much about the fraternity, the fraternity was founded to uh, preserve the ancient um, traditions and customs of the church, particularly the um, traditional Latin Mass and associated liturgical books. And, um, of course, our um, formation in seminary is also based a lot on the philosophical and theological methodology of St Thomas of Aquinas. And of course, um, both wanting to join an order which promoted the traditional uh, rites and practices of the Church, and also knowing as well that this was an order which highly valued the philosophy and theology of St Thomas, which I had studied after high school and really um, uh, grew to love um, for that reason, and for many more um, I decided to join
0: the fraternity, and here I am. Yeah, no, I, I've been blessed to meet um, a few of the the seminarians of the fraternity, and, you know, I suppose um, you hear a lot about you know, the, the stereotypes of people who go to the Latin Mass, but these young men, you know, struck me as such normal people. <laughs> um,
1: One would hope so, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you- yeah. If anyone would come to um, the seminary in uh, Nebraska, so I, I did one year in Sydney, as I mentioned, and another six years in Nebraska, you'll find that the seminarians are very normal. Uh, they get up to all sorts of practical jokes with each other. And, um, you know, we have a lot of fun playing um, soccer. I enjoy playing soccer at the seminary, but also basketball. And uh, we have uh, Friday football, which is uh, American football that's big over there. And, um, mm. So no, you're right, Philip. The seminarians are very normal, which means you know we also have our flaws and failings too. Um, but uh, yeah, by the grace of God, we um, just try and do the best we can.
0: Yeah. So um, your classmates who, who you were going through the seminary with uh, were ordained in in Nebraska, but you you were ordained in Sydney. When I heard that there would be a traditional ordination happening in Sydney, where I live, I was um, I was very excited. Um, but as we got closer and closer to it, um, you know, more and more things started happening, the the COVID-19 pandemic and all that sort of stuff. What was it like preparing to be a priest for seven years? And then like at the last minute to have this sort of huge, um, (laughs) inconvenience happen and, and, you know, sort of throw everything, um, into a bit of a, a tailspin. Tell us a bit about that
1: experience. Uh, well, yeah, it certainly wasn't what I had envisioned uh, for the seven years of seminary. In fact, um, March when the seminary closed, uh, um, somewhat unexpected or very unexpectedly, um, it was um, quite an interesting phenomenon. Really, um, I had a bit of a cold at the time, and so I had been isolated in my room for five days. And then, when I was in isolation, because everyone was freaking out about COVID at that point. Um, I realized the rector had made an announcement that the seminary was closing down. And so really after six years of being there, I was saying goodbye to a few friends from my door in my room, being in isolation. And it was uh, really not what I had expected, but I think the grace of God provides. And uh, I had the blessing of, I was sent back home to Australia and I was stationed at our fraternity apostolate in Girawin at the Parramatta Diocese. And I just had such a beautiful time there. And learned so much about priestly life from the uh, examples of Father Paul Leung and Father Richard Wallace, two of our fraternity priests. And during that time, I was filled with so much joy and so much happiness. It, really, um, it was such a great encouragement for my priestly ordination coming up and so much of a reinforcement that, you know, this is really what I wanted to spend my whole life doing. And um, some people were like, well, how are you finding it, you know, in this small little place? And oh, it was just wonderful, Philip. And I think at least for me, God's grace really did provide because I, I can't think of, I, I thought that was, you know, the best preparation for priesthood for me. And um, yeah, I wouldn't have had that without the, this pandemic. So as we know, St. Augustine says that God is so good that he only permits evil and can only permit evil. If he, uh, for the sake of a greater good. And for me, at least, I really saw that come to play and I had a beautiful few months at the apost- apostolate there and learnt so much, whether it was, you know, visiting the sick or preaching sermons or what have you um, about priestly life and it was such a blessing. So, of course, the one month in isolation, two weeks in Sydney, now two weeks in Adelaide, has not been, I mean, it's been good in a way, but it's had its share of difficulties uh but that being said um god's always you know um so incredibly wise with all his decisions and so the ordination certainly wasn't what i had expected i was expecting you a big full cathedral and was planning to invite you know everyone that i knew everyone all my um all those who had you know helped me out growing up um benefactors family friends loved ones um But it all became very, very stressful in a way because at first we thought we could have 500 people at the ordination and then we sent out ordinations for 500 people and then we were told it was, uh, it'd be restricted to 100, but don't worry, we'll probably get an exemption. Well, the exemptions didn't come through, Mm. but we were down to 100 and we had to cancel invitations and so people were upset. As you can imagine, I was on the phone to my brother Richard um, for three and a half hours one day trying to work everything out, heart, heart wrenching stuff. I'm smiling yeah. now, but heartbreaking having to tell people who meant a lot to you that, you know, you, they couldn't come to your nation and just trying to get the right balance. But it was such a beautiful ceremony, the whole thing. And my first mass was the happiest day of my life. It was all just so wonderful. And, um, yeah, yeah I've just, God's grace always provides.
0: Well, thanks pretty God. It's, um, it's great to hear that even out of um, like this global pandemic that we're going through, that, that God can still bring um, such, such graces um, into our lives. You know, like um, I I think I heard from um, some priests on the internet that the, the experience of being ordained where you can only have, like, I think some of them in America could only have like 10 people at their ordinations at at different times during the lockdowns. And um, you know, a regular priestly ordination is a huge event. You know, you're greeting people and giving first blessings for like hours after the the actual ordination. But being able to to actually pray a little bit more um, after being ordained, um, some people have said, is uh, like a really worthwhile and and such a such a grace. Father, tell us a little bit about maybe the, the theology behind the sacrament of holy orders and then how this manifested in an experience of being ordained a priest, um, you, know, to, you know, bring us with you into the, into the cathedral as you're being ordained, what, what's going through your head? What, what's that sort of like?
1: Oh, well, okay. Well, I was rather um, nervous, as you can imagine, um, being this, this great grace, you know, you're a priest. Um, once you're ordained a priest, you're a priest forever and um, there is a a character imprinted on your soul which gives you the um, the power to consecrate the body and blood of our Lord and um, if you read the works of um, you know Saint John Chrysostom or uh, Saint Alphonsus you might shudder in fear at such a great grace but um, so of course I was quite nervous in many respects but um, and I think the ordination for me was very uh, a surreal experience and kind of overwhelming and um, but so beautiful as well. I, I really, uh, Philip, to be honest, it, it's all kind of a blur, <laughs> um, but uh, it was it was just a wonderful, uh, wonderful event and um, but um, as I said, in, in, in a way, um, because I was, um, had more time to contemplate and think about everything and had practiced my first Mass a lot, I was, um, in a way, months, much more sensibly in, impressed and affected by my first Mass itself. <laughs>
2: Eccum et salutare Nostim semper et umbique Grazia sangere Domine Sancte Pater Omnipotens eternem Dei. Unigenitum tuum in cruce pendentem, Lancia militis transfigi voluisti. Ut apertum cor, Divine largitatis Sacrarium, Torrentes nomis fu, Underet miserationis,
1: It was so beautiful during my first Mass when um, right before the uh, uh, communion uh, I was filled with such deep consolation and such interior peace Mm. and I was so happy and it came so unexpectedly. Um, I was saying the Mass trying trying to very devotedly and, and I just received this such a great consolation and so much peace. And um, I was smiling, like I was re- literally smiling and was so happy at that point, just before communion, saying the prayers. There are three prayers that you recite um, to the host before communion. Mm. And I only realized after Mass that it was right after the, the peace. So uh, in the Mass, um, just before communion, um, the prayer, um, Lord Jesus Christ, you said, my peace I give you, uh, my, le- my peace I leave you, my peace I give you in Latin. And then you give the kiss of peace to the um, to the other ministers who pass it on to the other clerics and um, i realized afterwards it was right at the peace that god gave me this interior consolation and um for me it was it was a difficult road in some respects to ordination i was always questioning was i really called was this really my vocation i you know i'm a type of person who likes certainty <laughs> And not having that absolute certainty and just having to trust the lights and the, um, the directors that God provides for one, um, you know, just receiving that deep consolation during my first Mass, it was it meant so much to me and um, was such a great grace. So that's probably, you know, one of the significant um, sensible graces, of course, that I received, the grace of ordination being uh, such a wonderful thing, uh, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, shortly after your first mass, you offered um, a solemn first vespers of the Assumption, which was a five-cope um, first vespers, like which is in Australia, like really rare. You you, didn't, you don't see that sort of thing very often at all. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was such a beautiful ceremony. I think we'll have um, some images on the screen of that now that people will be able to see. Father, tell us. Um, from the perspective of a priest of the Fraternity of St. Peter about the importance of beauty in the liturgy, both in church architecture, uh, the beauty of of vestments. Of course, you had a very, very beautiful ordination set and the importance of sacred music as well.
1: Well, as I mentioned in the sermon uh, during that Vespers, um, we're creatures made up of body and soul. Uh, We have this tangible body, but we have an eternal soul. And as St. Thomas Aquinas said, we says that we all knowledge begins in the senses and through the senses they pass into our imagination and through the imagination we form um, ideas in our intellect. And so we're moved from things material to the contemplation of heavenly things. And so being human, we need ceremony and we need ritual to lift our minds and our hearts to a contemplation of things which we cannot see because um uh, which yeah which we which we cannot see and so um and so when you have you know the beautiful the sacred prayer the gregorian chant when you have um genuflections and prostrations like in the ordination when you have the um the beautiful architecture and all these uh Um, signs which point to the great mystery that is unfolding before everyone's eyes then those present become cognizant of that mystery if people don't act like a great event is unfolding then bystanders won't um, come to appreciate the significance of that event and so whether it's in the way one receives uh, communion, in the traditional rite, rite we receive kneeling, that reinforces belief in the true presence of our Lord. Whether it's the, um, the uh, beautiful architecture and these glorious Gothic cathedrals, say, pointing to heaven, then that reinforces the notion that this is the house of God wherein God dwells. In the Old Testament, there were all these prescriptions for the sacred, uh, for the temple and, of course, the the glory cloud of God dwelt in the temple. um, But we have something greater. We have the substantial presence of the Son of God present in our church, and so all things should testify to to our King's presence here in the church. And so all this ceremony, all this ritual, it's not an exercise in vanity, far from it. It's an an exercise in... um, which helps us worship God better and humbles us because we become aware of God's great, um, His awesome majesty. And um, and the way we believe, the way we worship will affect the way we believe. And if we, if all the things in our, our worship point to the truths of our faith, then it will reinforce um, what we believe. And so um, it was a great, joy to me to be able to celebrate uh with my confrere priest the the first vespers of the assumption at maternal heart at lewisham Um, we have these ceremonies for the great feast at our seminary in nebraska but not um not only does it give great glory to our lady it's her feast day and um whenever one honors one's mother one honors the son and so we give great glory to christ but um also um I think it, it really reinforced to everyone the just the awesome splendor and the majesty of our great God and how much that, you know, he's given us everything we have. And so an hour and a half in solemn vespers and benediction, I think is, you know, it's, um, as the saying goes, it's the least we can do to mm. give something in
0: return. Yeah, ab- absolutely, Father. Um, you're, you're 100% right. In in the formation of a priest, um, a lot of people give up a lot of things, you know, that there has to be the, the young man who's willing to give totally and wholly of, of himself to give his life for the service of others. Um, there also has to be, you know, people willing to support him in his formation to the priesthood. Um, tell us about the importance of benefactors in, in the formation of a priest, um, just as their importance in you know, running a ministry like Perusia in, in order to fulfil her mission of evangelization, formation and leadership. Um, I'm sure it's very similar with uh, the formation of, of a priest.
1: One of, yeah, one of the great joys of being a priest is that so many people have been so kind to, um, to me, but to, to many of the seminarians during our formation and so very generous. And the most important thing is prayer, because every prayer, I heard an old lady say it to me once, she said, every prayer is golden. And really, um, we, we really don't, can't imagine really all the, all the graces which God gives to, to souls, to priests, to seminarians, to religious, through the prayers of the faithful. Yes, it's our job to pray for everyone, to the faithful entrusted to us especially, but for the whole church. But um, the prayers and support of the faithful um, really um, um, win so many graces for us, um, you know, through Our Lady and um, which come to us through the hands of Christ. And so these prayers are a great consolation to have people saying that they're praying for you through seminary. Um you know, everyone has their difficulties in life, but um, seminarians have their own difficulties too. You know, um, but whether it's you know in the study or the you know the uh, you know the, the different challenges in your tasks or, or what have you, or different doubts that you might be going through, but knowing that people are praying for you is a huge consolation. So, um, spiritual benefactors in in that sense are so so valuable, and. Um, also, of course, monetary benefactors, because we can't run a seminary. We have to employ, you know, the the kitchen staff, the cooks and the chefs. Um, if the seminarians would do all the cooking, it would take time away from more important things like our study, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, prayer. No, I mean, we help out. We do all the washing of the dishes. We do. We clean the whole seminary. We um. We do. We divide up a lot of tasks at the seminary but um we can't do everything we need you know the the rector's um a, a, a personal secretary to help him running things we have the um the porter the 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 secretary in the office there at the seminary we have the business manager uh, we have all the pro- the lay professors who do a wonderful job teaching us and all these need to be paid in order to have a successful running seminary right mm-hmm. at least in the states i think they estimated that it costs something, I could be wrong on the details, I, I don't quote this exactly, but something like $30,000 a year to um, for, for each seminarian. And they ask each seminarian to try and con- contribute through his benefactors about $7,000 to help towards that. And so having generous benefactors who, um, you know, God has blessed them with um, many with many things, perhaps they've had a very successful career and, they realize, okay, God hasn't called them to be a priest. They've been called otherwise, and they can glorify the church and set the world on fire by faithfully fulfilling their vocation. But they would like to give something to help the formation of priests, and it really, I know it will set our rector at peace if we have generous benefactors because he knows that everything is taken care of. And so um, I can't tell you how much... um, First and foremost, spiritual benefactors in terms of prayer and good works and sacrifices, but also monetary benefactors too um, to help further the work we do. And as I was going to say when I started that one of the joys of being a priest is that, you know, now I can offer something back for all these generous benefactors. I can offer mass for them. And, um, you know, some people are so generous you think, well, how can I ever repay them? Well, I know that I can offer them something now that's you know, in the in the great scheme of things is is worth more. It's the whole the holy sacrifice for their intentions and for their um, sanctification and their salvation and thanks be to God um for that. So we're very, very grateful. We're also grateful for all our benefactors, as I'm sure you are at Perusia, and I encourage um Encourage everyone out there to donate to all the great work you do and if they feel most kind to donate to the work that the fraternity does as well
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Um, we'll make it easy for them by putting everything that they'll need to know in in the description of this podcast Um, So father over Over your seven years of formation. uh, I'm sure you had many expectations of what uh, the life of a priest would be You've been ordained now um, almost a month in that time what have been some of the more unexpected grace-filled moments that you've had
1: um the world well, the most unexpected one was as i mentioned that beautiful grace celebrating holy mass and um uh, beautiful grace is just in that in that first day we had a very nice reception afterwards and just um seeing everyone so filled with joy on this occasion um even uh just everyday moments for instance I was crossing the border into um into Adelaide driving in my car I'm still my last day of isolation now mm. and um just at the border I met two police officers and you know they were seemed quite happy to see a priest and you know one was talking about their um their, their days growing up in high school and um I said oh would you like my f- uh, my first blessing as a priest and they were very receptive and just um you know, and so, you know, never thought I'd be giving a first blessing to two police officers on the on the crossing the border into Adelaide, but your whole life, every day as a priest, um, particularly wearing um, wearing the cassock, which we we do, um, people were just uh, very enthusiastic and generally very positive. And even as a seminarian, I've really only had positive comments wearing the um, the cassock. The, um, the black sultan, you could call it. And um, it's hard for me to pinpoint because the past of the two weeks following my ordination were just blessed and filled with so many graces. It's, it's hard to describe individual moments, but just every day you've just so many opportunities for grace um, be, and, so, and so many wonderful moments that it's. I'm sorry, Philip, it's hard to pinpoint specific, specific moments for you. But it's just been a blessed uh, couple of weeks, and now, um, after a busy two weeks, and um, uh, because I, I offered some several indulgenced first masses in different locations around Sydney, and um, and as I mentioned, you see the grace of God provides because I, I was preaching for five days in a row, and and because it was all so overwhelming with um, with first masses and meeting people, I. I'd be worried before Mass, good Lord, what am I going to say? <laughs> but he provides, you know, and we shouldn't be willingly negligent, of course, we should do the best we can given the time, but uh, the good Lord provides. And, um, and so after a busy two weeks, I've had now just two weeks um, in isolation here at the rectory in Adelaide. And um, it's just been wonderful as, as well now, just being able to relax and take it easy before I'll... Um, uh, God willing, offer a mass at the parish on Sunday. I say God willing because I'm still waiting for some clearance checks to come through. So, um, but um, yeah, so it's just been a wonderful, a wonderful uh, time.
0: Excellent. Well, um, yeah, no, thank you so much, Father, for for being with us today. I think, um, as everybody can tell, you're you're a great example of um, the joy of. Of the Christian life especially in the context of the priesthood um, and of somebody who has um, given of themselves and and who's you know just about to embark on on a whole lifetime of service for others Um, father would you lead us in a prayer to finish uh, this episode
1: Sure, Philip, but I wanted to say just before closing that um, mm-hmm. i just like to encourage anyone out there who's thinking about a religious vocation that, you know, the world really needs priests, good holy priests and, and good um, holy religious as well. And um, there's so much evil in the world. The world has grown cold in their love for Christ. And, you know, he says um, the fields are ripe for the harvest, but pray that the Lord send... People who are um, who are willing to reap that harvest, and there are so many um, non-believers in the world, so many um, atheists, uh, atheists, but also um, you know non-Christians, and um, of course our Lord said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And um, I'd like to encourage people that you know, unless people say yes and and step up to the task, that um, you know, so many souls will be lost for a want of laborers and, and such a, a, a rich harvest will be lost for a lack of laborers. And, you know, you might read the lives of the the saints and be um, somewhat daunted, uh, uh, find it daunting that, um oh, you know, I don't think I can live up to what they did. And, you know, it's true that the the devil apparently said to the curé of ours, you know, if there were three priests like you, my empire would be ruined. It's true. Um we don't have to be a cure of ours. We were, you know, eating potatoes and living a mortified life, but God gives everyone the grace. We all should strive to be saints as the best we can. And I, I really encourage people that um, you really, really think if this perhaps is what Christ is asking you to, to, to be one of his priests, to be, um, you know, to extend, to, to offer his mercy to you. Um, uh, Two to souls in the world, and um, uh, God only knows um, if, if more young men would be generous and trust in the mercy and the the grace of God how um what a, a wondrous transformation of the world would have if we had some um, uh, much more generous and, and much more faithful and, and holy priests so um we can end with um, a prayer now. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was was in the beginning,
0: is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
1: Our Lady, Mother of priests,
0: pray for us.
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.
0: Thank you for listening to another Perusia podcast. That was Father Thomas Safatsis of the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter. I would invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to anywhere else that you get your podcasts from. If you subscribe on YouTube, be sure to hit that bell button so that YouTube notifies you of um, all, the, all the new videos that we put up. And if, if you're gonna sort of force YouTube to do anything, I think forcing YouTube to notify you of new Perusia podcasts is a pretty good thing to make Google do, right? Um, if you've listened this far, I would also invite you to consider supporting us. If you go to Perusiamedia.com forward slash donate, um, you'll find all the details in how you can um, offer um, your support in a monetary way to our mission your prayers are also very much appreciated. And as Father mentioned in the podcast, you can also support the Priestly Fraternity of St. Peter in the formation of their seminarians by visiting the Our Lady of Guadalupe Seminary website, which all the details of are in the description below.